step into the world of advertising with FjorgeCast, predicting the most important trends in the advertising industry. Host Tim Barsness dishes on the latest developments within the advertising realm. Tune into the FjorgeCast to receive insider tips and advice from experts within the advertising industry. FjorgeCast is your first stop in hearing about the unique opportunities and challenges advertisers face today. Cranberry Radio is proud to present FjorgeCast with your host, Tim Barsness. Thanks for joining us on FjorgeCast. I'm Tim Barsness, founder of web and mobile development team Fjorge. And today on our show, we'll be talking with Jason Schwartz about his Chicago-based creative agency, Bright Bright Great. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you very much. So, Jason, tell us a little bit about yourself. How'd you get into the marketing field? Sure. So, I actually essentially fell into marketing. I've always really been passionate about bringing good things to people in really whatever capacity that is. So, I am traditionally trained in industrial design twice, and when I wrapped the education point there, I, I really, it was a turning point for digital, especially web, where you were getting your first e-commerce and the ability to digitally s- share your message to people. So I, I transitioned into graphic design, uh, but really with a focus on interactivity and interaction. And that led me to my first gig. I joined a company that was a tech startup uh, in the healthcare space. Uh, we had a, a design and marketing team of about 12. What was that high- called? That that was called Norvax when it first started. It was basically a precursor. The, the technology that was created while I was there was essentially a precursor to uh, like healthcare.gov. Got so, it. What was your role? So I started as designer, but as I was working with the marketing team, I, I'm data-driven. I, I think that everything that creatives... That are not that's not in the art space should always be looking at the data and pieces like that. So, being a designer and a marketing team, uh, I, I started as graphic design, but really ended up more so of leading campaigns and kind of looking at data and and those kinds of things. Got it. Cool. So you said you were trained in, in industrial design twice. Why twice? So I, I I went to college in the early and mid '90s. So there were no computers like that really happening at that point. (laughs) I I was one of the first people to use Adobe Photoshop when I was in high school and one of the first people to use a digital camera while I was in high school. And then when I got to college, everything was still, I took the last classes of uh, drafting and, you know, you're sitting at the library with, with physical books doing things and everything was like T-square and alcohol and charcoal renderings and, and things like that. And although that was great, that was not very future focused. So they canceled all those classes and then moved everybody into the digital stuff. So I, I came out of an undergrad with a, I really love making things for people, but I don't think I'm going to be dragging this drafting board around too much longer. So I went back. And then the second time that I went back for industrial design, at that point, I was interested to to broaden my horizon because totally interested in classic furniture and totally interested in consumer electronics and all these other things. But I never really wanted to border on engineering. I like the design and marketing tiers more so than like, how does it work? I like more so, why does it work? So I went back and that that... After having such a manual first education, my second one was entirely philosophical. So 
as we were going through creating things for people, I, I wrote a thesis on teaching design principles to kindergartners through third graders. And so we were doing signage and shoe design and things that concepts that that students can grasp when they're so young, but things that would teach more so than here's a handful of crayons, go kind of thing. So at leaving that, I had the manual skills and then I also had the philosophical component to how do you really make something that people want to use? Or if you make something really good, how do you get that to people? So is there a way you could summarize how do you make something that people want to use? <laughs> Wouldn't that make this the most successful <laughs> podcast of all how about times? For, how about for a kinder, kindergarten to third grader? Well, um, the thing is... Like? So I, I, I've been joking about it because now I've been doing, doing you know, running an agency for, we're, we're almost 10. It, it was easier to teach the, these thought processes, honestly, to six-year-olds than it has been to companies where people have been around for 30 years. It's because it's the willingness to open up and, and consider the options. And, you know, you have like that childlike wonder component. So sky's the limit. So instead of saying, hey, Halloween is coming up, let's draw a haunted house. It's who's the haunted house for? What are the <laughs> things that go into the haunted house that are really cool and things that would make it yours? But when I was working and, and working with the kids, what was great was they get everything. You can They, they all watch the Emmys and, and all the fashion sh uh, award shows and things like that. They know, all know Jordans. And so if you're doing a shoe design thing, what we did was we, we used a uh, technology, a, a process called uh, random word. So we basically forced criteria to the kids and they had to stick with it. And that's something that if you've been doing your job for 10 years, people don't like forced criteria. You know, right. it's like, we're going to rebrand you. And it's like, that's scary kind of thing. <laughs> so it, People it, are afraid it, of the new, right? Yeah, exactly. The kids kids were totally open to it, but we work with companies that are like five to ten billion dollar, been around, have four hundred employees, and it's like the scope of these changes are so wide reaching. So yeah, it's, it's almost it, like teaching it, kids was was easier in some ways. Uh it's they they both have their own their own thing. I I, I think uh, working working with clients is 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 definitely really fun because every. Every person and company that we've worked with is inherently different. So every time we get to learn something special and new, which we could from the kids too, but the, the, the full scope of that is basically how open are you to letting other people tell you how to come in and make your product better? Sure. Um, so what kind of companies do you guys work with? So the first handful of years, we were smaller and therefore there weren't the same skill sets of an, an amount of hands on mice. Uh, but we, we, we traditionally started with a lot of tech startups. Uh, Chicago has a really great startup community and tech community. It's smaller than San Francisco and New York in, in terms of budgets and in terms of typically how many people are working at a lot of these places. We've had our booms like Groupon and, and uh, we have uh, uh, some other unicorny type companies here. But we when we first started, we were doing good design on the web 10 years ago, which if you go back and look at everything else, we were trying to figure out ways to make typography, not that it was working without putting it on servers and it wasn't working on consumer side stuff anyway, but the, the principles of a good design, getting that into websites 10 years ago. So we had a lot of tech companies that were looking at what we were doing saying, this is, you know, a beautiful version of this. Let's, 
l- let me, you know, do that for me kind of thing. But we've primarily moved away from tech startups unless they're at least A or B funded at this point, only because to really comprehensively brand someone, it's not just a week make my logo. It goes so deep and it runs so deep. So for us, now we're tending to work with larger tech companies or existing tech companies. We've worked with a religion, Nishiren Buddhism, to redo their website. They have like 10 million North American users. How'd you get connected um, with that? They just, the, the phone rang and it was uh, Buddha. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't Buddha. <laughs> it was uh, somebody who was working with them to, to update their website, which hadn't been updated in like 15 years. So we, we, we really do now work with companies that are trying to be leaders in their space, um, people who are number one sellers on Amazon. Uh, and then we still do work with a lot of companies that are either in like a rebranding phase or uh, a transitional phase that is requiring them to really change up what they've been doing for the past years. So you mentioned you were, um, you were able to do good design on the web 10 years ago. Um, what do you think allowed you to, um, to do that successfully? So all of the things related to marketing and advertising and design and technology and all of these things, the principles of good design are never changing. They've been around for a hundred years, balance, color theory, um, legibility, stuff like that. So it's, it's definitely a those things don't change. And so what you we struggled with and we're not there anymore was technology. So at this point, computers and and iPhones and all the other things that we're using are good enough that we're not being concerned of whether or not we can serve type. We can, and there's options. So it it, it definitely was before the, uh, the, okay, tech has caught up kind of thing. And that's why you're going to see things like iPhone sales level off and things like that is because the industrial design at this point is pretty good. It's a black rectangle. You can't beat it to, to, to make it more minimal and more beautiful. So seven to 10 years ago, it was, well, we may have to rasterize this type, but we can rasterize it in a way that it'll still look good on everything. Um, but we're using the type that matches your brand. We were doing a lot of flat design and stuff like that too. So that was trendy with the time, but it, it, it definitely worked 10 years ago compared to Space Jam website is like the funniest example of sites that are still on the web. Um, <laughs> But it's still there. Like you could go look at what the Space Jam website looks like now. You know, ten plus years later, and it's eight hundred by six hundred, and type is all aerial, and you know, there's no. It's basically like we needed to get something on the web, so that was what it was. Right. It's always fun to go back into the Internet Archive and see see what ten years ago was like. All right. So we need to take a break, but when we come back, we'll be talking about what makes Bright Bright Great successful. Don't go away. George Cast with Tim Barsness. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising, or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at wmetraining.com. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. 
at Fjord. Our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Cranberry Radio. We're everywhere. Find our shows on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere you download your podcasts. Pick out some new favorite podcasts now. Tim Barsness is back with more advertising advice with Georgecast, only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome back to Fjordcast. I'm Tim Barsness, and we are here with Jason Schwartz of Bright Bright Great. So, Jason, what makes Bright Bright Great successful? So, this is this is a question that could take a long time to answer. I, I think that there's important things that make a de- a, a design focused agency successful and one of them is really looking to the future as opposed to what can we do now it's something that's really important to us as we create for these brands we basically with everybody we work with say let's plan for five years out do you want to be on somebody's wrist or not do you want to be on somebody's tv or not Obviously, the the team is is hands down the reason why we're successful, and it's not me; it's everybody else. When we first started, we leveraged the success on my freelance career, which was Bright Bright Great. I went under the name Bright Bright Great, and basically, the first week and month we started, it went from being booked. 40 hours a week to being booked 100 hours a week. And I'm like, I can't do this by myself. So I brought on people that I thought had uh, similar mindsets to me. I was coming out of a, a, a bigger place where there was hundreds of employees. I saw all the inefficiencies and, and things that, and process problems that I wanted to get away from. Our process and our behind the scenes is straight up. Like we can sign off a project once we know the scope in two minutes. And we basically use a, three or less pieces of technology to essentially run a business, which is cool. You didn't have those opportunities 20 years ago. What are those three pieces of technology? So we we leverage all of our uh, accounting and and client management and things like that through FreshBooks. It's the same thing as like a QuickBooks, but that's a a great tracking tool. And we do all of our communication through Slack. So emails, which everybody probably should be using at this point, but emails have gone from 250 a day to three. And the three are from a client giving us feedback and and communication. Um, We use Basecamp for client threading of of conversations and then really anything google related google apps you know we we all of our emails uh, the backbone is google apps and we can pretty much have the scalability with just that to get a per, get a client onboarded work with them through you know the the conversations and things like that and not overload everybody slack has been amazing because it basically kills email internally do you guys use slack with clients we don't we, we have started now using it with our contractors as well. We've added them in, um, but we don't want... They're, they're, uh, we have a, a very big break between workday and do not disturb mode, right. which is not a very common or successful 
thing that happens in our space. So at five o'clock, I don't want anyone to chat me. Sure. So we don't want a client coming Including in your team? The, we talk, but it's not like we're, we're, we're crunching bugs or, or Got it. working through design stuff. It's like, hey, I saw this. You know, it's our client's uh, poster. It's out here. I took a picture. Here it is kind of thing. Perfect. Or so mostly, have- mostly, hey, is anyone watching this Netflix show right now? Yeah. <laughs> right <on. laughs> so you have three side companies as well. Um, I guess companies you call side hustles. Can you describe them? Yeah, so they're not really, so they're, they're side hustles in the fact that it's more that we require from people than bright, bright, great. We, we have Avondale Type Co., which is a type foundry that is now about two years old. Uh, I think we have about 10 typefaces in there. Originally started as, hey, our friends make type. Let's put them all in one place and sell them. But we've really moved away from contributor typography. We, most of the things that are on there are now created in-house by us. Uh, and a lot of that stuff we've started or thoughts of our kernels from bright, bright, great projects. I mean, design and marketing and, and typography are not mutually exclusive things. So, so are you making type for branding projects? or We have in the past. That's how our first two typefaces started. Uh, and then we've continued to build from there to, to build some more workhorse for, uh, typefaces. We've also had... Uh, interest so so we've had interest for uh very large companies to build their corporate typefaces and things like that which would in a much more uh i guess intrusive way come into the time of bright bright great versus typically when it's make it when we have time type of thing so two night stand tell me a little bit a little bit about that so tonight's stand is at this point probably about five years old. It's a weekend hackathon with no client. Um, a lot of times people are are coming together and doing like, here's my idea, let's make it. Here's a, here's this for this other company, let's make it and let's rush through it. But what we've done is basically picked themes. Uh, so the first one was like a local craft brewery and. The themes were you can create whatever you want within the space. We did one with NASA. We did one with the Zombie Research Society, which is a legitimate collective in California that <laughs> educates people about the, it, it's almost like taking the science of plague and virus and, and, and bringing it through and talking about how these things could be a reality. Their board is like people on the horror end, uh, like George Romero, I think was on it or something like that. But then on the other end, it's like the director of medicine at like UCLA. <laughs> So, you know, you come in and you're like, here's your client, zombies, let's make something. <laughs> nice. Um, what characteristics would you say make you a successful marketer? Uh, so, I, I think one of the things that, it, it, is this for Bright Bright Great or is this for general advice for branding successfully? I guess, how about, let's start with general advice for branding. What, is, what, is a, what characteristics does a successful marketer have? Sure. So for to, to build a successful brand, I think, and, or our brand strategy, I think the first thing people need to kind of disconnect themselves from is that it's only going to be the logo and, and, and how things work. I mean, marketers can't just keep sending the logo over and over and over. Brand and brand as it, as it exists to other people and then brand strategy as to what you want to do with your company is pretty comprehensive. It's essentially how people perceive every touch point that they have with you. So if you're email marketing, 
you really need to know that audience. If you're doing it all online, you really need to figure out how to connect with people. Uh, there's really great people that 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 are doing brands that that they're doing the same output type pieces as everybody else, but people really can get down with what they're doing. I've always said, as since we've started, that if your brand is doing good or if you're looking to help people, it's easier to typically for us to help sell what you're doing because you find the people who need it and you can connect them to something that will make their life better. Um, but we've seen people who've come through us that have asked for essentially like negative brand brand items. How do I place an ad in front of my ad? And we're like, why would your users like that? instead of just making the first ad correct. Uh, so it's the, the, the su successful components of it are really to make sure that once you know who you are and you're, you're pointing that microphone outward, all of the touch points and all of the, the uh, users that are engaging with the stuff really have a good way to care about your brand. You know, I've seen so many people where brand strategy is how big of a list can I buy? And it's like, that is the worst option possible for doing this. Uh, brand to, to successfully do a, a build your brand, you have to have people care about your brand. It's not, hey, how do we trick people into caring about your brand? Right. There's no way to, to kind of cheat that system. A lot of people that come to us from 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 bus the business world think that everything is cheat the system, and, right. and that's kind of a. And then we go back and say, well, let's start let's start top level. Uh, why are you using this typeface? What 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 emotion did you pick this for? To you know, it's a techie typeface, or it has emotion and personality. Why did you pick it? Do you want to be techie? Do you want to have that emotion? Oh, you picked a really high fashion font. Did you really want to do that? Let's look at your logo. It's not good. That's a part of your brand that people see. Let's talk about uh, color theory across all of your brands. You only use one color. Why? Uh, right. You know, stuff like that. And, and that's when you really dig into all points. But it, it, it extends all the way through to the marketer where you have all these things that are, you have this guide of brand that you're able to use. And how are they able to use it in, in marketing and in all these other outputs to, to your user base? Exactly, really, exactly. They all I'm going to change gears here on you a little bit, Jason. What's the next big step for Break Break Rate? So we've, we've been around for, at this point, between nine and ten years. I, I, I feel like I know what what we're capable of and what we're good at and and we've had some interesting opportunities that have come through over the last probably last five five to six years uh, but we have an interesting opportunity uh, that's that's actually come up that we're entertaining which would probably grow us uh, tenfold or may turn turn something much different we we have 10 employees now we're not a, a giant agency but we have the capability to uh essentially make a few quick sprints to to, to work with some bigger clients and and work with some sure. additional people so it's is there not, a decision point there or? there there is not it's something that i and our team have been kind of vetting through as as we've talked it through we've had next big steps that have been thrown at us over the past couple of years that were not better than the, the current step. And oh, that's nice. something that I, and that's something that I think it, people may get too excited about and, and make a wrong decision. You know, Tumblr got bought out by Yahoo and it just destroyed Tumblr. Um, it was great for the money they got 
on the first week, and then everything after that, they all left. Right. And, Sounds and, like things are pretty good over there. I mean, we're 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 doing we're doing well this year, so that's, that's great. Good. So we yeah. need to take a break, but when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about AdBlock, AdBlock Plus's acceptable marketplace and online ad spend surpassing that of TV. Don't go away. George Cast with Tim Barsness. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. It's time to take your ad testing out of the Mesozoic era and into the Ezoic era. Ezoic is the world's first machine learning platform, creating tailored ad combinations to monetize your website. Our automated ad testing not only boosts ad income, but increases page views, improves bounce rate, and will impress the user experience. Start your 30-day free trial today at ezoic.com and join thousands of publishers who are already earning 60% more with Ezoic. That's E-Z-O-I-C.com. Ezoic, make your website smarter. Ezoic is a Google-certified publishing partner. Content for your ears. And everything in between. Cranberry.fm. Tim Barsness is back with more advertising advice with George Cast only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome back to George Cast. I'm your host Tim Barsness, and I'm here with Jason Schwartz of Bright Break Rate. Our first story today is AdBlock Plus launching a marketplace for acceptable ads. Jason, what does AdBlock Plus deem as an acceptable ad? So, like, we we all think this is like a joke, right? Like the ad blocker releasing their their own ads. Exactly. I, I mean, it wasn't an onion article. <laughs> I, I, when I first saw it, because I actually had seen it before we had talked about it and you showed me that article. So first off, it's ad blockers company, you know, MO to do whatever they want. They can basically say, we need to produce revenue somehow, and as a plugin, we're not we're we're not going to make it. You know, people aren't going to pay because they they demand that we should have this anyway, kind of thing. So now people, it's it's the same way that a- advertising has essentially always worked: is like you pay money for top bid, and you can get through. Uh, there was a lot of convoluted stuff in there that I read in that article about uh, uh, about like upvoting and downvoting ads and i, I kind of look at that as not fully thought out on their end yet because you can up and down vote ads but like people just don't care they they want to get away from that especially if they're using an ad blocker so having to go through a whole process of like did you enjoy this or did you not and if it's another group of people that relevant? are vetting this yeah exactly i mean you know you still have a lot of uh online and tech tech stuff that still does it wrong like i don't remember if hulu it did the last time i watched it but hulu serves the same ad like 14 times in an hour long show and it's like at what point can we thumbs down this to the point of 
my thumbs down over rules that it that you know Toyota paid a million dollars for it. Um, it's a it's just a weird it's a weird spot to be because it, for somebody who is supposed to be a user uh, proponent of of keeping ads out of people, letting approved ones through for money is kind of BSE to me. I get it. They need to make money to stay a company and and do their thing, and that's how they're basically looking at making money is to say, well, we'll let some through if they're approved. Approved. You kind of see this as money. stealing from publishers. <laughs> Uh, I, I see that, that actually kind of loops to the second question about, you know, uh, online and things versus TV. So there's been this traditional method of buying commercials and buying a newspaper ad or buying a radio ad, but, and this, this will, will lead into the, the, the next question, uh, is basically we have a lot of new media to use to get these ads and, typical commercial uh, advertising and marketing is very different than getting banner ads in front of you on the web or pop-up video or audio ads or, you know, even inside apps, you you use USA Today and you get a, a video ad that you can't even get to the content until it's played and things like that. It's just new ways to get this to people. And honestly, if Toyota wants to go straight to Hulu and say, how about you just use our ads for, you know, whatever millions of dollars? That's fine. I, I, I get the whole publishing thing. And in fact, one of our clients is one of the largest sellers of advertising. Um, but they're, they're, they're kind of grappling with digital in the same way that everyone else is, which is the, the thing that makes, that, that makes me the, the biggest concern is if people can pay money to bypass, where does that really stop? Um, you know, I, there's an, like an ethics thing. Like if something isn't great for the users, but the company's willing to pay so much money, do you let it through? Right. So do you use an ad blocker? I do. I use an ad blocker on my phone and my computer. Got it. Yeah, I, I do as well. I mean, um, I, so expect the, the, still, I, I expect, I'll, and I think it is ad blocker plus. So I think right. I still, whatever they're going to start approving, I'll, I'll see. But that opens one other conversation too about things like in social media advertising. You have you know, uh, Tweetbot, which is basically a Twitter client, no advertising. And then you have Twitter. And on, I, I sit next to my wife and we have both have our phones out and we're both on Twitter. Essentially, I'm on Tweetbot and she's on Twitter. And she doesn't like Tweetbot for various reasons. And she's like, I'm willing to trade off the marketing because this is the experience I want. Yeah. And the ads are just one part of that experience, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So uh, finally, online ad spending is set to top TV this year. You alluded to that a little bit earlier. Um, did you ever think we'd get to this point? I absolutely. I, so I, like I said about thinking about the future, I, this is where my mind is always at, is no one wants to watch TV commercials. The DVR beyond recording shows is essentially for people to record them to skip advertising. Um, we're creating continual ways to kind of bypass and, and get to the content we want. Uh, online versus TV just goes to show the same way as how people were afraid, like, well, isn't traffic on the iPhone going to overtake your desktop? And it's like, of course it is, because I'm going to be on my iPhone 14 hours a day and on my computer four hours a day. Uh, it's a natural progression that we're going to see, and I, there's still more places for it to go. 
uh, online, that content goes everywhere. I, I think my my big concern and big nerves are again again ethical. Uh, you know, I, I remember when uh, Google bought Nest, and one of the first announcements that came out was that uh, AdWords were going to be served on your thermostat. And it hasn't happened yet, but it doesn't stop Google from, you know, popping an ad in there or really anybody else, any network. And that's a scary thing because everything is becoming this black box with a screen. So I know Samsung launched, launched a refrigerator and everyone comes to me and they're like, don't you want this refrigerator that has the internet? And I'm like, <laughs> why? Why does yeah. everyone want this? Like beyond knowing the temperature, like do I want my work email coming to my refrigerator and the first thing I see in the morning? But yeah, you know, how can I get less of that? Yeah, how can I how how can I get less of that? But <laughs> but that's the, that's the same thing. There's more opportunities of the online ad phones, you know, Apple TV, um, all these devices that are smart, there's more places for it to go. And I think that's going to continue to keep growing. I, I'm moving next year and we're not even going to get cable. And like, that's crazy to people. We're not going to have a phone line and not have cable. We're going to have Netflix and Hulu and the internet. And like that, like boggles people's minds, like builders can't comprehend why they do not need to install a phone system. So as we continue to go, I think the things we have to watch for are the scary things like dashboards of your car and and who can wedge their way in. And again, it's one of those things where it's like, would Tesla allow Coca-Cola into their center console for the right amount of money? Right. And I, I feel like... And then what happens when that ad starts to have malware? Exactly. But I mean, that's a whole different different podcast, but, but, but definitely that's the type of thing you have to look at. You know, you, you turn on your Tesla and your, your dash is like Coca-Cola branded or Mountain Dew. And you're like, Hmm, my speedometer is now a Mountain Dew car driving across the thing. How much should Mountain Dew pay for this? And do I even want to engage with this or can I shut it off? But ad blockers essentially going back to the last question, making the statement saying, you can shut it off to a point that we will tell you you can shut it off to. Exactly. Well, we need to wrap here. Thanks so much for joining us, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say for anyone who's listening to this, uh, I am very active on Twitter and I will answer any questions that come to me via Twitter. So if you wanted to send me a message at jcrimes, J-A-Y-C-R-I-M-E-S, things about anything you heard in here, happy to have a conversation with you to, to push it forward. If you need to... Find some funny tweets. Look at at Jay Crimes. Uh, you can also find Bright Bright Great at brightbrightgreat.com. Uh, thank you for joining us on Fjordcast. You can download episodes of our program by going to cranberry.fm or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and very soon on iHeartRadio. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited 